1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Altius Minerals Corp. Q2 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would like to now hand the conference over to your speaker today. Laura Wood, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, ma'am.
0: Thank you, Joanne. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Q2 conference call. Our press release and quarterly filings were released yesterday after the close and are available on our website. This event is being webcast live, and you'll be able to access replay along with the presentation slides that have been added to our website, which is www.altiusminerals.com. Ryan Dalton, CEO, and Ben Lewis, CFO, will both be speakers on the call, and then we'll open it up for Q&A. The forward-looking statement on slide two applies to everything we say, both in the formal remarks and during the Q&A. And with that, I'd like to turn over to Ben to take us through the numbers.
2: Thank you, Flora, and good morning, everyone. Q2 royalty revenue of $13 million or $0.31 cents per share, was down 20% from Q1, primarily on lower prices related to demand concerns associated with the COVID-19 pandemic, lower power consumption in Alberta, and IOC's decision to maintain cash on its balance sheet rather than pay dividends. Q2 EBITDA was $10 million compared to $12.7 million in Q1, with the, the decline following the decline in revenue. General and administrative costs of $1.9 million this quarter are consistent with last quarter and the previous year. Adjusted operating cash flow was $13.4 million this quarter, an increase over the $13.2 million last quarter despite the drop in revenue and EBITDA. The higher adjusted operating cash flow reflects the timing of corporate income tax payments and lower interest payments due to lower debt costs. Interest, Interest payments this year were lower than last year on a six month basis, despite the higher borrowing amount, reflecting the drop in base interest rates. Corporate taxes have not yet been paid for 2020, as government relief due to COVID-19 allows for an extension, we expect these payments to be made by the end of September. The quarterly net earnings amount of $4.1 million, or $0.10 cents per share, includes a number of non-cash adjustments that are identified in the waterfowl table and slide. These include a gain on foreign exchange and on the fair value adjustment of derivatives seven cents per share combined, offset by a smaller loss of one cent per share through share of loss in investments in associates. The adjusted earnings are, are four cents per share. The Board of Directors declared a five-cent per share quarterly dividend, and I'll take this opportunity to remind you that this dividend is eligible for our dividend reinvestment plan which we announced last quarter for shareholders who are interested in receiving common stock instead of cash. For those who are interested, please visit our website or contact Flora for instructions. Finally, looking at the balance sheet and capital allocation, we ended Q2 with $48 million in the value of the project generation equity portfolio and $70 million in LIORC shares as of yesterday these amounts stood at 55 million and 78 million respectively as the markets continued to recover after payment of our preferred security distributions and common share dividends and a further 3.2 million spent on normal course issuer bid repurchases we ended the quarter with 30.6 million in cash and cash equivalents after quarter end, we drew on cash reserves to pay the approximate $9 million net purchase consideration for the recently announced acquisition of Liberty's interest in certain coal partnerships. We also made a U.S. $3 million milestone payment to TGE to bring total funding to U.S. $22 million out of the $30 million commitment, with first royalty expected at the end of next year. During Q3, we intend to evaluate the carrying value of our royalty interests in light of the new average book value. The carrying value of our 5 coal co-royalties post-closing of the Liberty transaction is approximately $80 million. We have $80 million outstanding in term debt and we are scheduled to repay at a rate of 20 million per year and a final maturity date of June 2023. We also have approximately 65 million drawn against our revolving credit facility with 35 million in undrawn availability. We have continued to be active on our normal course issuer bid as we repurchase 361,900 shares this quarter to bring our trailing 12-month total to 1,353,500 shares. Brian has more to say on macro conditions and the recent acquisition, and I'll now turn it over to him.
3: Brian, are you there? Sorry, everyone, Thank you all for joining. Uh, I'll begin by addressing the recently announced acquisition from Liberty Metals and Mining of its partnership interest in Alberta coal royalties and how we intend to allocate the additional cash flow towards continuing royalty investment in the renewable energy sector. Altius has been actively working to align its assets with major global sustainability trends for several years now since before we knew what the ESG acronym even stood for. Increasing our near-term coal exposure may seem odd, therefore. However, it is not at all when you consider that the underlying goal of sustainability or impact investing is to speed positive change and transition. In that regard, buying out our partnering coal royalties is quite consistent with our goals and broader sustainability objectives, since what it really represents is not a doubling down on coal, but a doubling down on renewable investments, We see a certain elegance in using this residual revenue from coal power generation plants that are on an absolute path to closure into supporting the global renewable energy transition. As well as enhancing our own portfolio of sustainability alignment objectives. The fact that coal is so out of favor that we were able to achieve a price that will ultimately result in a significant leveraging of our renewable royalty investment dollars is a nice bonus. Further on that front, it has been an extremely busy quarter for all these renewable royalties, which is being led by Frank Getman and his team in New Hampshire. Towards the end of Q1, we announced a new royalty investment with Apex Clean Energy. Apex is a leader in the US renewable energy development space in terms of overall portfolio size projects developed, and also in connecting corporate and industrial users directly with renewable source energy. I think it has worth every Altia's shareholder's time to check them out. With this transaction, we added a second top five renewable energy developer, in addition to Tri-Global Energy, to our investment portfolio, and the impact on our recognition and acceptability within the broader sector has been quite amazing. For the first time in almost three years of business development at ARR, the deal origination work has become inbound dominated. We're seeing lots of attractive opportunity as a result and several sets of discussions and negotiations are advancing. The other major activity within ARR during this quarter has been an effort to attract strategic investment partners to help upscale the business and maintain our leading role in the innovating royalty financing for the sector. Our efforts in this regard have been productive and we feel we're getting close to selecting a partner or partners that can not only augment our capital availability, but also bring other value adding attributes to the table. We also continue to explore the possibility of bringing ARR public as a pure play spin out and are being met with enthusiasm in this regard. It should be noted that these are not mutually exclusive fronts. There's a commonly cited lack of public investment opportunity in the renewable sector presently, at least relative to the amount of capital that is amassing to invest in sustainability thematics generally and renewable energy specifically. As a slight aside, the prospect of a Democratic presidential win in the U.S. is expected to be very positive for the renewable sector, and we are noting significant uptick in the number of investor inquiries regarding our renewables initiatives that reference this possibility. Switching now to base metals and copper in particular, which is our largest commodity exposure, prices have rebounded to beyond pre-COVID levels, and we remain longer-term bulls. Factors that excite us, including the expectation that much of the world, led presently by China, is turning to infrastructure-based stimulus as a means to offset the economic damage inflicted by the pandemic. This is generally bullish for copper and other base and industrial metals, but it has the potential to be particularly profound during this cycle, as the specific type of infrastructure stimulus most commonly being discussed relates to speeding up of electrification and renewable electricity growth. Most grid systems globally are inadequate presently to support the shift to increasing consumer energy usage coming from electricity at the expense of fossil fuels. Fixing that problem will require an incredible amount of new copper and other base metal production. Not only that, but in the regions where this copper will come from, there is an issue with maintaining current levels of production, never mind bringing on needed increases. Major capital investments are needed. However, this year has not been a good good one for executing on these capital projects for obvious reasons. One absolute impact of COVID will be a setback in the timeframe for much of the planned production replacement and growth that might have been expected otherwise. This is a bit double-edged for us as it has also pushed back some of the preliminary work that Lundin has been doing with respect to a potential expansion of the Chapada mine. What we consider this minor within the bigger picture and commend Lundin for the responsible management of COVID risks at the mine and within its surrounding communities. Potash volumes have shown a gradual recovery uh, in the first half of the year relative to late last year, and operators are predicting a significant year-over-year improvement. Prices remain relatively weak, but do appear to have stabilized since the signing of India and China supply contracts in May, and as inventories built during last year's generally poor growing season have drawn down. It seems the world has kept eating through the pandemic. Iron ore has been a star performer in 2020, and it is another commodity whose demand is expected to benefit from broad-based infrastructure stimulus. IOC has been performing well operationally and benefiting from the strong pricing environment. However, However, our revenue related to its operations, flowing from our holding in Labrador iron ore royalty company, was down considerably in the first half of the year, as IOC elected to maintain increase on its balance sheet rather than issue dividends. Lyric has noted that this decision by IOC stemmed from COVID-19-related economic uncertainties, and if so, this likely represents a deferral rather than a loss of dividend income, given IOC's continuing success in handling the risks to its operations and its workforce and communities. On coal, the Cardinal River Met Coal Royalty contributed half million this quarter and a million for the first half of the year, but it is now closed after 51 years of mining. Thermal coal royalties were also negatively impacted during the quarter as power demand declined sharply in Alberta with the oil industry slump and a more more general lockdown impact. A gradual recovery appears underway now, however. Last but not least, we are seeing great progress within our project generation business. As the junior sector, junior resource sector has returned to favor. As Ben noted, the portfolio value has more than fully rebounded from pandemic driven lows, and many of our portfolio companies have been able to considerably strengthen their balance sheets through equity raises. This is driving a strong second half exploration effort with several large-scale drilling programs from within our portfolio announced. Notable highlights in this regard include announcements from Adventus, Aberclata, Sacramento. Panex and Wolfton, among several others. In addition, Renaissance and Ebram have announced a merger to form a new precious metals focused royalty and project generation company, anchored by royalties relating to First Majestic's Armitano project in Mexico and Anglo Gold Ashanti's silicone project Gold Discovery in Nevada. Altius will be the largest shareholder of the merged company, and it also owns a direct 1.5% NSR royalty related to the silicon project. Thank you,
1: and I'll open the call to your questions. As a reminder, to ask a question, you'll need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by; we compile the Q and A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Orist Wokadaw from Scotia Bank. Your line is now open.
2: Oh, hi. Good morning. Um,
3: just a question about the coal royalties. I'm wondering if you give us an update on the, uh, I guess, litigation with respect to claims against the Alberta government, and then I was also wondering whether, via your increased ownership of the royalties, whether you also effectively inherit uh, Liberty's claim to their share of any of any um, compensation. Thank you. Uh, yes, the litigation process. Slides along, I guess is the best uh, word I can use to describe it. There have been obvious delays as far as discovery uh, goes because we haven't been able to uh, get together to complete that process, and the other side has declined our invite to do uh, do that uh, remotely. So still, in, we're still at that stage, uh, working right now actually to try to build a new schedule around that. But obviously, there's there's uncertainty there. And yes, we do have entitlement to uh, the full claim related to the um, uh, limited partnership uh, interest, the full limited partnership interest. So the full $190 million claim, uh, with the exception of the, the remaining minority shareholders' interest. I see. Do you expect to uh, that this will go to court in 2021, or could this be take even longer? It's a hard one to predict. Uh, there's not a whole lot of issue, quite frankly. Uh, I mean, there's, there's actually very little dispute around the facts. Really, the what that question is, what do those facts represent? Does it represent a taking uh, or an effective expropriation? A Hard one to call. Um, it doesn't seem the other side is in any great hurry. But um, you know, we'll well, I guess we'll update as we know more. We should know more as we go through go
1: through the autumn thanks very much your next question comes to the line of Jacques wartman from laurentian bank your line is now open hi good morning
3: guys um could you please uh, provide some color on the timing of the receipt of uh, stream revenue for Chipata? Um, production and sales volumes uh, reported by lending were significantly higher than the uh, attributable royalty revenue that was reported by altius so i just want to get a bit of color on that secondly Ben, if you could just um, repeat again, what is the carrying value now for the total coal uh, royalty portfolio? Did you say $80 million?
2: Uh, yeah, that's correct. That that would include uh, Liberty as well, our, our acquisition of Liberty's portion.
3: And as far as the Shapata question, Ben can probably fill in better. But yeah, there is a slight lag. From sales to when uh, when our copper warrants are are received, we'd expect to catch up in the in the current quarter.
2: Okay, thanks very much.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Brian MacArthur from Raymond James. Your line is now open.
2: Uh, good morning. Uh, sorry, just to follow up on Jacques' question. So the carrying value is 80 million, but you bought Liberty stake for nine. Does that imply, you know, that transaction value is what you're going to have to use to write down the book value or are you going to do an MPV thing? I'm just trying to get the magnitude because if you know you buy it for nine, which is a good price, it implies the whole value may be close to 20, than 80. Am I thinking about that right? Or or how will you proceed through that process to the extent uh, you can? I... Yeah. I, I think the first thing you do is, uh, uh, basically consider averaging down if you look at it that way. So uh, it won't be if there's any adjustment, and, and we've got to do a lot of work on this. We've got to look at mine plans or try and get new right. mine plans. Uh, basically, you know, consider the purchase price. Uh, you know, we've got to crack open net present value calculations, mine plans, look at the new, the latest and greatest on coal to gas conversions, and and talk to operators, and you know look at demand for electricity in Alberta as well. So there's a lot of work to do. So uh, my, you know, I I can't give a range at this point because there's a lot to do. But no, it won't be close to the 10 million. Uh, it'll if if at all, it you know consider the average, the the worst case. I would I would say and. Uh, you know, there, we may conclude that there's no adjustment. So it really depends on. You know, this just means we got to crack open the valuation and do some uh, work on it, and and we'll have that done in Q3. Great, thanks. And, and Brian, just follow up with your comment that you, you this is an alternative financing if you want to look at it that way for your renewable business. I guess you'd feel you got a pretty good. A reasonable deal on this coal thing, and that cost of funding is probably cheaper than you could get cost of funding um some other way for the ARr is that is that a fair statement?
3: Sure. I mean, just think about the same dollar that we spent here uh, being invested directly into the renewables project. Well, this is the renewables opportunities. this is a way to take a dollar, buy this coal and invest multiples of that dollar into renewable energy. so it's obviously. If you want to look at it that way, it just represents um, an extremely low cost of capital for future investments when you, when you back-calculate the expected IRR on the coal investment. Great. Thank
2: you very much.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Carrie McRoy from Canaccord. Your line is now open.
2: Hi good morning everyone. Just um you know q three is shaping out to be a lot better obviously with copper prices and iron ore prices rebounding. Just wondering how we should think about coal revenue in the back half of the year, just given or relative to q two given expectations around that
3: uh, I mean I'm take a peek usually every day at uh you know every you can look every day on an Alberta website that shows total generation from every source that's there uh, what I can speak to is that, you know, over the last few weeks at least, things have been running really strongly out there. So Genesee in particular, every day, each of the generators looks to be running at full capacity. Um, Sheerness would be probably running at around 40 percent-ish, which is in line with where that's been through the first half of the year, and it, it's never been 100 percent producer. an older, less efficient operation. So from what we can see, looking at what everyone else can can look at, it uh, it looks pretty reasonable. Now let's not forget that it's midsummer in Alberta as well, so power generation is going to peak at you know it's a peak period for for uh, consumption in any event. But there is certainly uh, improved industrial demand as well as, as certain oil industry or oil sector operations rebound. But we don't think, it's not going right back to 2019. not going to go back to 2019 overnight. This is a slower process. I expect a bit of a bump, I guess, in Q3 or Q2. It's looking like a better quarter in Q3 as far as overall energy consumption in Alberta goes relative to Q2 for sure.
2: Okay, and then maybe just the remaining funds for the renewable business, just what you're expecting when that would be deployed. Is that 2020 or some of that can be in 2021?
3: that regarding the remaining milestones with TGE? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think this year. Sure. We expect that they'll be able to uh, sell enough projects in the remainder of the year to completely meet all milestones under our agreement and invest us in, in a full entitlement of royalties based upon the uh, current interest in their portfolio. Great. Thanks, Brian. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Craig Hutchinson from TD Bank. Your line is now open. Hi, guys. Um, a question on the iron ore business
3: and your position in LIARC. I, mean, I feel in the past you guys have been pretty nimble and you've added to your position during kind of downturns. We obviously saw a sharp downturn and you know, decline in the share value of LIARC in, in the beginning of the Q2, but you guys didn't add to your position. Can you just talk about that? Whether you guys feel like you've got a sizable position at this point or you seeing better opportunities and that's why you didn't kind of add to to your size, your position layer? Well, it was quite the opposite. In fact, Greg, we, we ended up selling some it was because, you know, we wanted to make sure that our balance sheet was bulletproof because it was such a crazy time. We didn't know if by this time, it, you know, by fall of 2020 we'd be facing, you know, half of the mines in our portfolio were more shut down. So it was it was more of a balance sheet driven decision. And it was also, there was a weighing that went on around, you know, is that dollar better left in Lyork or deployed in Lyork uh, to buy more Lyork or is it better deployed buying Alpia shares? And that was a kind of an easy call. So,
2: um,
3: you know, in a different world, if we were, you know, if we were if we had unlimited capital, we probably would have bought it all for choices to be made.
2: Okay, I appreciate
0: that.
1: Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star one on your telephone. There are no further questions at this time. I will turn the call back over to the presenters.
0: We'd like to thank everybody for joining. That was a good set of questions, too. And we'll look forward to talking to you on the Q3 call.
3: Thanks, everyone.
2: All
1: right. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.